Welcome to the final episode of season 10, episode 8 of The Versatile Writer, providing support and encouragement to writers and creatives. You're wondering how I'm going to finish the alphabet, considering this is the last one and we're only at N and O. Rest assured, the rest of the alphabet will be covered in season 11. As you may have noticed, or perhaps not because it's in the background, each episode was quite the feat. So splitting the alphabet into two seasons made perfect sense, but I actually only figured this out when I got to about D. I've had contributions from other writers for this season, so big thanks go out to Zelma Klein and her Arcane Quill Facebook group. Before I get into it, please know you can subscribe to this podcast for free and have it arrive automatically when it's published. And please tell your family and friends because you never know, it may speak to them. You can also further the discussions of topics I raise here on the dedicated Facebook group. The link is in the show notes or you can type into Facebook search bar, the Versatile Writer podcast group. So here we go. Episode 8, N to O. In N, we're covering novella, names, non-fiction and newsletters. And in O, we're covering opening up, overwhelm, observations and outlines. N for novella. The best way to describe a novella is by its size. It's a short novel. Most novellas reach around the 40,000 word mark, although some are significantly shorter and some reach 60,000 words. Novellas were quite popular a hundred or so years ago, but have kept around because of their speediness in reading, and especially in our now culture, that's quite the thing. That said, you don't often get novellas traditionally published these days. It's usually an independently published option. I've written a heap of novellas, and they weren't intended to be either. When I first began writing, I naturally kept to shorter stories because, then, they were easier for me to write. That was until I read other short stories and realised I hadn't included all the things I wanted to, so I wrote longer stories. Later, I wrote some fan fiction, which usually stopped for me at around 45,000 word mark, so they were novellas. Much later, I wrote original stories that were nearer the 80,000 word mark, which is what readers and publishers alike prefer as novel size. My last novel, Dream State, published in 2022, was around 90,000 words and today is the longest novel I've ever written. But to be honest, I pared it down to 90 because it formed at 105,000 words, but few romantic suspense novels travel into the 100,000s. I knew I wanted it in print as well, so a huge book on your lap can feel intimidating. Going back to those earlier novels though, some are completed but underdeveloped and some are fine as they are. Have you ever considered going back to your earlier work to see if it would work for a modern day audience? I have. If you've ever done that or perhaps republished a novella, get in touch and let me know how it went. You can do that through the Versatile Writer podcast group on Facebook. The link will be in the show notes. I quite like a novella and consumed several at close reading at university. A shorter story than a novel can keep those with a short attention span, like me, engaged. If you've written or published novellas, why not get in touch? N is for names. One of my favourite jobs to do when creating new characters is to name them. But names can be tricky things. Should you be publishing your story, your character's name ought to fit in with the era of the story and the genre in which you're publishing. I've talked about this before many times on The Versatile Writer. If your history romance story is set in the Middle Ages and has your heroine named something ultra-modern, 
it just jogs the reading experience, at least for me. Unless it's a time travel story, of course. The same goes for the romantic interest. This could well be a me thing, though, so don't change a thing if you feel it works for your story. Some names align with the job the character is doing, or fits with their personality. Frank, for a straightforward character, for instance, or Ernest, for someone, well, Ernest. <laughs> Sue, for a character in a libel case. Hunter, for a character in law enforcement. Rob, for a thief. Ivy or Rose, for a florist. That kind of thing. Colours can give an interesting slant to a character's name. Red, blue, sandy, they come to mind instantly. And there are some verbs that make good names too. How about singer, walker, ranger, potter, driver or digger? Nouns are interesting too. How about forest, tank, dog or kitty? Or adjectives like dusty? Sometimes initials work better than an actual name. Something punchy or catchy like TJ or CJ, AJ, all those can work. In one of my novels, I named a baby LJ, which was a nod to her late grandmother, Laura. Add Junior to the end and you've got LJ, and in this case, it was little LJ. Fashionable names work too, so if you've got a history story that sits in a specific area, that sits in a specific era, then why not check out the names trending around that time? Generally, royal or biblical names never go out of fashion, and there was, there's always the chance of shortening it or giving them a nickname instead of it, if it works better for the character. Whatever you choose, speak it aloud and see if it fits the character and also works well within the dialogue. N for non-fiction. As you might know, I write in both fiction and non-fiction genres, but not every writer does. If you're focused solely on writing non-fiction, which do you go for? There are a heap of non-fiction genres from life writing right through to self-help, business and manufacturing and travel guidebooks. I'd love to hear what floats your literary boat. N is for newsletters. For some time, I'd heard it was a good marketing idea to create a business newsletter. About four or five years ago, though, I grabbed hold of it and began one. Over time, as with most things in life, it's evolved. Within mine, I give some detail about behind-the-scenes business goings-on, a bit about where I'm at in my career, and I invite subscribers to contribute, thus giving them an opportunity to advertise for free. Subscribers generally get to hear news before it's been made public too, and I've been known to give out free gifts as well. If you'd like to go on my newsletter list, that's www.loveofbooks.co.uk. Then go to the free to you tab and click on the subscriber button at the bottom. You'll get a free newsletter every month in your inbox. And if you want to unsubscribe anytime, just let me know and there'll be no hard feelings. O is for opening up. I believe this contribution was from Zelma Klein from the Facebook group Arcane Quill. My take on this is when, as writers, we have to open ourselves up to others, whether that means for the sake of our mental health or it means talking about our story and getting input from others, whether that means for the sake of our mental health or it means talking about our story to get input from others, who knows, but we all need to open up at some point so we can talk away at our worries, should there be any. Overwhelm. I'll touch on this in two ways. Overwhelm for the reader and overwhelm for you. Overwhelm for the reader would likely be where there's too much within your content. Perhaps there's just too much happening for the reader to grab hold of a single thread and run with it, 
or maybe these sentences are too long. Maybe there's too much information to absorb with each word. It could be that each word requires the reader to look up what it means and then apply it back to the sentence again. I've had this many times myself. My brain just won't grab hold of it. And there's so many words to process within the sentence that I just that I have to take a moment and it can take weeks to get through just, just a chapter. But if there's too much content, the idea being that if you keep things as simple as possible, you're more likely to keep on top of it all when you're writing it. If your story is complex, perhaps do your utmost to simplify it. Because if you find it complex and complicated to follow, you can bet your bottom dollar your reader will. And if they do, they might not return from a, for another session because most people, though not all, read for escapism. Overwhelm, for you, might look different. Perhaps you're working a very intense job and your family all want something from you. Then there's the family pets to take to the vet or the bills are piling up and the laundry still needs to be done. On top of all that, you want to write a novel. It's not surprising we can get overwhelmed so easily. I get overwhelmed frequently, and the only thing I would suggest would be to take a step back and breathe. And meditation can be a huge help too. O is for observations. I see this as things I notice in life that I can take back to my writing. A leaf growing in an unusual position. The particular shade of a flower a parent and a child having a conversation, the way someone drives their vehicle. All these are daily observations that can help rather than hinder your writing practices. Being observant is a skill that can bring a colourful tone to your stories. O is for outlines. I touched on this with blurbs, cover blurbs, and I'll do it again in synopsis. But suffice to say, having an outline can greatly help you create your story. However, this doesn't always work for everyone. I've written novels where I didn't have the slightest idea what would happen next, yet it still worked. And I've written novels where I knew step by step what was happening next, and without the outline I would have floundered. I believe outlines can be helpful, but they're not for everyone. The skills you use for them, though, are the same skills you use for your synopsis or your blurb. So do keep hold of the outline if you have one, as it will save you some time later. I've learned this the hard way. Right, that's everything I think, <laughs> I hope. In season 10, I've covered episode one, alphabet, audience, adaptations, artwork, artificial intelligence, audiobooks, and analysis. Then blogs, books, beta readers, burnout, building a story, building a character, and business. Episode two touched on creativity, Career, Cameo, Courses, Critiquing Buddy, Cursing, Character, Community, Competitions, Challenges, Copyright, Character Careers, Covers and Cover Blurb, Chapters, as in Length and Use, and Controversial Content. Episode 3 had Dialogue, Descriptions, Diary Writing, Dream Diaries, Devices, as in Plot Devices, Delivery, Difficult Characters, Dealing with Difficult Characters, and Digital Publishing. Episode 4 touched on ebooks, editing, eating, equipment, environment, encouragement, and ego. Then feedback, freebies, friends, focus, foreshadowing, and freelancing. Episode 5 had guidance, groups, genre, ghostwriting, 
Grace, Grief, Growth and Glitch. Episode 6 touched on influences, ideas, inspiration and interrobang. Then juxtaposition, just when, kindred spirits, kindle and knitting together. Episode 7 touched on life stories, literary agent, memoirs, multi-genre and different genres, mental health and marketing. And today, episode eight, we had novellas, names, non-fiction, newsletters, opening up, overwhelm, observations and outlines. I do have a cheeky bonus episode coming next week. It consists of all the outtakes and bloopers from this season and I hope you giggle along. And it's just a few minutes long too. Season 11 will be back in about eight weeks, starting with P in episode one, right through to Z in episode eight. Check out the dedicated Facebook page for updates. The link will be in the show notes. Thanks again to Arcane Quills, Zelma, Cher and everyone else who contributed. Thank you for listening to season 10 of The Versatile Writer.